Support for Waveform comes from Visible. With Visible, you get a one-time plan with unlimited 5G data on Verizon's network for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sounds pretty good. So why isn't Visible for everyone? Well, Visible doesn't do stores. So you can manage your plan, chat to customer service, update your eSIM, all in their app, and they don't bundle their plans with extra stuff that costs you extra money. So if you don't want a wireless plan that focuses on the wireless part, by all means, do not switch today at Visible.com. Hi, we're Visible, the wireless company with nothing to hide. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for $25 a month, taxes and fees included. Sorry, hidden fees, we're just not into you. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. What is going on, people of the internet? Welcome back to another episode of the Waveform Podcast. We're your hosts, I'm Marquez. I'm Andrew. And we have a very special guest today. Yeah. Dr. Mike is back. I say back because you helped us out with the Dyson video. We talked about the Dyson Zone headphones. And I feel like we've had so many conversations at the studio or even in videos about some health feature or some feature of a tech product where I have to preface it by saying, well, I'm not a medical professional, but, and then I'll just get into whatever I think. But it was great to have you actually weigh in and give us proper, sound, technical advice from a medical perspective. You know, it's funny because I'm a clinician, meaning I, I see patients on a daily basis. So mm-hmm. all of my advice and the way that I interpret tech and gear comes from that standpoint, as opposed to a researcher standpoint. I think about the real life utility, real life usage, which drastically is different than intended use or researcher use. Yeah, we we can do all the research we want, but sometimes you just gotta know how real people like <laughs> yeah, interact exactly. with things. So yeah. we uh, we decided to put all of it in one place today. Yeah, wow. we've, we've had a ton of interesting random things pop up in the tech world from digital well-being to like the apple watch i'm wearing to like all kinds of fitness question marks and we just wanted to have you weigh in on them that'd be fun you know it's funny i get in trouble having these conversations all the time from who from the tech community mostly because i am sort of a huge skeptic in this Mm. space because if something's not proven i'm very hesitant to recommend it to people Mm. And I'm very protective of my patients' time, energy, money. Yeah. So I don't want them spending money, their limited healthcare budget on things that are not actually gonna improve outcomes. Yeah, I feel like this is one of my, one of the big things in medical professions is like if it's appro- like FDA approved mm-hmm. or if it gets some stamp of approval by somebody, then you know it's good. Where with me, I'm like trying something new that's not approved yet, but I'm like, logically this seems to work yeah. fine. And I kind of have to blend those two things together. Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I also think skeptics is a a great thing. And maybe us as tech people should be more skeptical of some of these because it's really easy for us to go to an event, see all these new health features coming out on things and being like, well, they're the ones doing it. They probably know more like we don't know anything about health. So even, you know, if this is not your like full blown expertise on it, like getting your opinion on this, I think is a a good step forward and maybe understanding because every single thing we own now tells you something about your health, it feels <laughs> exactly. like. Yeah. So we've just been doing a lot about it recently and have some questions for you. I, yeah, I have uh, a little widget on my Mac that shows me how much screen time I've gotten today so oh, far. okay. It's like that, telling me- That's, a, what that's apps, a good widget. What apps I'm using and how much and how much I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> so we do want to dive into all this stuff, but first I want to zoom out a little bit just to, you said you're a clinician yep. and I want to get the like, what is the one minute like elevator pitch that you give to people on what you do? Because when I get asked what I do, I have to like process like how much of a conversation am I ready for right now? What do you say? 
I say that uh, at heart, I'm a human first. Then I'm a board certified family medicine physician, which means that I take care of people of all ages. Mm -hmm. um, I deliver babies. We take care of women's health, men's health, the one-year-old or the 101-year-old. So that's my day-to-day -day -day job. But then uh, kind of as my side job, uh, I've become a YouTuber, someone that specializes in media production. And now I'm a professional boxer as well because there wasn't enough things. It's a variety. <laughs> it's a variety. Pack. I mean, yeah, that's like that's a wild list. First of all, becoming a doctor is like more than a full time job yeah. in itself. And then a lot of people, especially a YouTuber with 10 million subs, like that is also a full time <laughs> job. If anything, like I see Marquez working at, at this, and before anyone started here, he's putting in 60 plus hours a week. So how on earth? And now you're saying boxer as well. Yeah. Like, how, how in how, the you world do you are you sleep? doing? What's happening? Uh, no, I actually value sleep very, very much. Where you uh, told me this. That's very this. important. Seven to nine hours I have to hit. Nine has been rare, but I, I put a priority on sleep. I just think I'm excited about doing all these things. It's all like a childhood dream. I feel like I'm in fantasy camp half the time. How do I get a chance to hang out with you guys being on this podcast? How do I get to reach 10 million people with accurate medical info, debunk something that I see happening in medical media, or then get on stage on Showtime paper <laughs> boxing? Yeah. So if, if given the opportunity, why not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Well, and then the next day, Go to you working at a hospital or a, a private clinic? I also don't want to dox you on anything. No, here, no, no. Okay, I work yeah. at a community medical center. It's all Googleable, so okay. it's very obvious where I work. I've, and I've worked there since residency. Actually, really? next year, despite being pretty young, it's my ten year anniversary of working there wow, as a doctor. That's great. Nice. I think awesome. also I'm like ninety percent sure I was born at the hospital that you worked. No at, way. which I think is kind of funny. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Wow, okay. but so. not young enough to. to yeah, yeah to I don't know. It was more than ten years ago. Yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's, was, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, I think one of the probably easiest places to start with like talking about tech is the Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. The watch, anytime, first of all, you see any messaging from Apple about the watch, there's always something health related in it. Yeah, and it was fascinating the way it started because Apple kind of didn't know what the Apple Watch was gonna be. It was an iPhone accessory, but then, I don't know, will you like send a digital heartbeat to your friend or will you like answer messages or get notifications? And we threw in some fitness features and then the world kind of figured it out and it just turned into fitness and notifications. Yeah. And so every single update to the Apple Watch adds some fitness or health thing mm -hmm. and they have to find a way to sell it to the public and it gets increasingly more and more like, if you don't have this, you might miss that heart irregularity yes. that you have, and this has saved X lives so far, and here's a, a letter somebody wrote from the hospital about how it saved their life. Is this uh, okay with you? <laughs> it seems like a pretty wild uh, way to get people to get something they probably don't need. I don't want to isolate the Apple Watch in this. For sure. I think as mm -hmm. the tech industry, I think what's happening is they've seen the value that health data has, and increasingly the healthcare tech industry is, and even the healthcare industry as a whole is being run as a hedge fund. And to me, that's where I draw the line. Hmm. Because for example, if I tell you I created, uh, let's say I'm gonna use this water bottle here. Let's say I created a grip for a water bottle that makes it less likely that it'll slip out of my hands, but I haven't done the research to prove that that's the case. Are you gonna be mad about the fact that I'm saying that it doesn't slip out of your hand? Not really. Right, who cares? Seems logical. But now what if I say the water that I've created inside here cures your depression, but I haven't yet tested it? It's kind of a stretch. That's the problem with our current healthcare tech, healthcare 
hedge fund industry. Okay. No one is actually going that mile to prove that something works because that's really expensive. And a lot of times will backfire because it proves that it doesn't work. And now you've killed your beautiful product. I see. Yeah, I remember the uh, electrocardiogram coming to the Apple mm -hmm. Watch. And the entire time I'm watching this, I'm like, I'm gonna have to review this watch and I'm gonna test it. And I have no idea how to tell if the ECG I get from this watch is good <laughs> or bad or if it worked or didn't work, but it'll be the first time I ever do an ECG myself. So I guess that's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to. Well, I just don't know that. what to do with it, to yeah. be honest, as a doctor. And most doctors don't know what to do with it because, like, the most common use example of the features on the Apple Watch is that it'll tell you your heart rate's high. Uh, there's a potential risk that you have atrial fibrillation, right. which is when your heart beats irregularly at an irregular rate. I meant to show you this. Oh, did you have some? I got, well, I started getting these PVCs. Uh, these. A couple nights ago, ah, see that okay. low heart rate, and it just tells this me over and over, and over and over and over and over and over and over and over. That's because you're a fitness hype beast. <laughs> so I guess it's weird though, because it's <laughs> notifying me of some health thing, and I'm like, is this good, bad? Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes you get a high heart rate notification. There's all kinds of things. Do people ever go to you saying, "Hey, yes. my watch told me something"? Is it ever useful? No joke. What's today? Today is Friday. Yesterday, I was in the office. Mm -hmm. A uh, gentleman comes in who has a history of SVT, which is a, a type of fast heart rhythm that exists. Mm -hmm. And he said that after that happened to him once, he got an Apple Watch to start tracking when this happens. Mm -hmm. But here's the interesting part. He knows when it's happening. He can feel it. He can feel the palpitations. He has the skills and the techniques necessary how to shut it down. And it happens very rarely. But he still got the Apple Watch. Yeah. Now, the Apple Watch started warning him after he played squash that he would have high heart rates. Yeah. And he started getting anxious. And then he started getting worse oh. outcomes with his heart oh, rhythms. No. So you see how the tech is fire. It works. It tracks yeah. things. But what we do with that information is really problematic because until we get some guidance and we gather enough data to actually make use of it, mm. more data just means more health anxiety, more weird interventions that we don't even know if they work or not. Yeah, the magic really is in when the watch notifies you and specifically how it sort of gives you and displays the information in a way yeah. that's useful. Yeah. Because it can it can measure all at once, but it's not necessarily like if you go through the health app and scroll for a while, there's tons of stuff. Your breath rate, your like heart rate over time and all these different things. VO2 max, somehow it knows. And I just don't know what to do with that information. I think it's entertainment purposes only for now. The 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 one feature on the Apple Watch that I think is really exciting is the fall notification feature. Yes. And you, you have that. a story of it going no, off I, on a roller coaster. No, no, not a roller. That's a that's one that's happened to a lot of people. Actually, oh, car okay. crash detection oh, is okay. the one on the roller coaster. Oh, okay. um, but I'll be running around during a frisbee practice and chasing somebody around a field long enough. You'll like stumble and you'll get a little vibration. Says, "Are you okay? Did you fall? Did you need me to call SOS?" See, that's the cool feature. It's kind of a flex though, because if you made someone fall hard enough that they get the Apple Watch <laughs> notification, that's I've never fire. thought of it. Like you break someone's ankles hard yeah. enough that they uh, the watch is like, "Are you good, bro?" <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Yeah, yeah there's a I, lot. I feel like the we keep saying Apple Watch because it's the one that yeah. seems to plug it in the most. But like obviously Pixel, Garmin, Samsung, they're all doing it. And it feels like they all started focusing on like health and fitness activity tracking mm -hmm. first. Um, and now they seem to have gone into more of these like AFib, VO2 max, like uh, fall detection, more things that feel like past I'm trying to live an active health style and more like I'm warning you about your regular health style. Um, I kind of wanted to go over, like, can we split that into two? Yeah. Maybe 
from what you said already, it seems like a lot of it seems kind of nonsensical. But if we can, uh, not nonsensical, but I, I think it's but, less useful. Okay. And every time we weigh any kind of medical intervention, mm -hmm. we weigh risk benefit, right? Sure. So if I prescribe a surgery, a medication, everything has risk benefits. Mm -hmm. In fact, if something doesn't have a risk, that means it probably doesn't even work anyway, because it has Fair. to have the opposite effect if it does something. Yeah. So with this Apple Watch, what I feel like is happening, we're getting data, very limited benefit of what we can do with said data, but definite harms that I'm seeing as a result of health-related anxiety that's being fueled yeah. by all these alarms. Interesting. So that's how I make my decisions. It's very simplified. Yeah. Do you use any type of trackers yourself? So for example, I used to wear an Apple Watch myself and mm -hmm. I remember watching a UFC fight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I guess because I've heart been rate. in the ring. Yeah, I got an mm -hmm. alert for the first time that yeah. your heart rate's been elevated for an extended period of time while wow. sedentary. So I was like, while watching it, yeah, right? yeah, that happened to me in hockey playoffs this See? year. I was like, getting, it was just like, like just but so you know, you're anxious. That just I guess so makes you know. sense. Yes, exactly. You know that's happening though, so it's easy to dismiss that. I yeah. guess like for abnormal heart rate and stuff, it's more of the times where you're not quite feeling it, and you get that. Um, you said you've already had it. Do you think is stuff like that? How much is that affecting you guys in the medical field of just getting calls and patients who are mm -hmm. like you said, anxiety specifically? My watch told me this. Okay, so now we're kind of talking about the anxiety and the non-health important, I guess, okay. vital disease notifications, mm -hmm. like random, like fast heart rate, all that. Mm -hmm. But now let's talk about the atrial fibrillation notification, because that's the one that could actually have healthcare implications. Mm -hmm. We have no idea what to do with it in the healthcare setting okay. when you get a random alert like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, we can put on a halter monitor, monitor you for seven days, which is a little thing you wear on your chest. It monitors it. If you have symptoms like palpitations, you could notify it. So when we re read it back, we can go back to the time where you press it, you had symptoms. Yep. Because a lot of times patients will have some sort of electrical irregularity in their heart, feel it, but then we didn't do the EKG when that was going on, so we yeah. don't know what's going on. So the halter allows us to do that. But in general, when we have atrial fibrillation, we have rules of how we decide to treat it. How often is it happening? We have scoring systems that we use based on the patient's age. Uh, there are other medical history, like little factors. But if it happens very, very rarely, and the person's otherwise healthy with no medical history, which is most of the time what happens when mm -hmm. we get these calls, yeah. what we do with it, we don't have good evidence yeah. to decide. Mm -hmm. Maybe we put the halter monitor on, but then it doesn't catch anything. Right. Then the Apple Watch two weeks later catches something again. We still don't know what to do. Yeah, I feel like there's the in the keynote, there's a classic example of like, I got this notification, I thought it was kind of weird. I went to a doctor, the doctor confirmed it, this thing saved my life. Yeah. And the, the, the fitness things that we wear have such scale. There's so many of them out there that inevitably there's a couple of those stories that are real. And then when those stories are the display for like whether or not you should get the thing, it makes it feel like this is something everyone should be looking yeah. out for. It's it's a very manipulative marketing tool mm -hmm. because look, I, I can say right now, let me give you a CAT scan every day for the next 20 years and I might be able to catch a cancer mm -hmm. and we might be able to intervene. But what I'm not telling you is that I'm also going to be radiating your body, probably producing all sorts of cancers it's at the fact. same time. Yeah. So there's there's a healthy balance that has to exist when it comes to healthcare tech, where it's like we tell people what it's possible to accomplish, mm -hmm. but then we have to be honest with the drawbacks. Otherwise, it gets into shady territory. Yeah. Do you think there's any type of, and if like the doctor community has discussed this before, but there's some people who say like, 
obviously all these numbers aren't very accurate, but if you follow trends based on numbers that you're getting on things, is, is there like a, a best practice of potentially using these to actually not just increase healthy lifestyle, but also potentially see some sort of health? The health app does show trends. Trends, but even just like you reading stuff. things yourself. Like, yeah. I mean, I get a heart rate variance every morning when I wake up and like that's something when I first saw it, I research it and then I'm scared. Like you said, I, yeah. I'm exactly who you're talking about with health anxiety, looking stuff up online. Sometimes I think this really helps me. Yeah. Sometimes I think this sends me into a bit of a spiral and yeah. I don't love it. So that. like, for example, resting heart rate. The lower the resting heart rate, generally speaking, the healthier person is, mm -hmm. right? Because that usually means they're in great shape. This is why this guy over here sits at a 40 heart rate going <laughs> to sleep. Um, but if you are at a resting heart rate of 75, that's considered normal, you're healthy. And let's say you start exercising and you start lowering that. The Apple Watch will show that trend over the course of the month. Yeah. But you tracking that number is purely for is purely for entertainment. Okay. Because if I, as a doctor, encourage you to work out and you start working out, I don't need the Apple Watch to tell me that your resting heart rate's gonna go down. Yeah. That yeah. that's the only yeah. time that's really important is if you're an athlete professionally and you're trying to go from 99th percentile of success to 99.5, which the huge majority of the general yeah. public is not needing these tools. Yeah. But again, for entertainment, for motivation, fine, I'm with it. Especially this tech can evolve and really will become good. I think the future is bright. I don't want to like poo-poo the whole industry. Yeah. I just think the way that they're selling it now is premature. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of uh, like we were talking to the CEO of Rivian where a lot of people will get like this $100,000 truck and will never use anywhere near the capabilities of the truck. <laughs> but the tech and the capabilities are so good that it's like once in a while when someone maximizes its use, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Uh, kind of reminds me of like, yeah, most people aren't trying to get from the 99 to 99 and a half percentile, yeah. but the people who are might find this watch amazing. Like exactly. the, the, the new ultra has got this like trail climbing mode and all these other things that are like super, super useful. But generally for most of us, we're just kind of like, oh, neat. I should probably be okay. And <laughs> well, it's the that. same thing with like protein, creatine supplements. Like mm. you could take these. But if you're an average person, and I, I mean average even to like a higher degree, like yeah, yeah. if you fall within 90% of people who exercise, mm -hmm. if you just focus on a healthy diet and focus on the routines you're doing, the supplements are gonna maybe add 5% of improvement. And again, that's for people who are competing. The average person, people who go to GNC and Vitamin Shop and all these and get these things, you're doing it for fun. Yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> You're it's not really yeah. changing much. That's fair. Yeah, That's super fair. I do like... I, I like how you use the term entertainment. I guess it's not something we've thought about much, but like entertainment doesn't necessarily mean bad thing. Like no. entertainment is a motivator as well. And like I I, pers I used to play Frisbee with Marquez. I had four knee surgeries and then had to quit that eventually and found my activity like way, way down, like some minor things. And then I borrowed an Apple Watch here once and those competitions they do are like one of the most things ever. Gamifying I, I, fitness. Yes. It's like that has super helped me get into like a way, way more active lifestyle. And, and that is amazing. But yes, on the other hand, like what you're saying, like if you're not in that potentially professional athlete aspect of things, like these things are just like you can look and be like, OK, cool. I did it today. I knew that already, but it's nice to just see it on my wrist. Just yeah. the, I guess. There's the same way I'm like addicted to like checking the checkbox. 
Like closing <laughs> yeah. the ring is like yes, that's the satisfying thing. Look, that's the strong part of this app and yeah. the, these tools, and the motivation of it is exciting, and I want people to make use yeah. of it. In, in fact, when I made like one of my first videos on YouTube, it was about how to get fit for summer. It was like get some new workout gear as a Kickstarter to your motivation. The one thing that I'll say is because I'm again very research based. When you look at research and you see these initial boosts of motivation by getting new gear by getting a tracker. Long term, they don't make a difference. Right, you got to have a routine and get into something. It's it's a lifestyle change, or you just need to keep buying things. Which I've I've fallen into that hole way too many (laughs) times. New gear, new hobby, new shoes, new everything. Yeah. Yeah. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content. Brought to you by Visible. Okay, so Visible Wireless is one of my partners, and they're pretty great. Let me tell you why. They asked me to make a video explaining why Visible Wireless might not be for you. Pretty refreshing, right? So Visible's base plan with 5G, mobile hotspot, and unlimited data on Verizon's network for 25 bucks a month works great for lots of people, so what's not to love? Well, they are all digital, so you do everything from managing your plan to updating your eSIM or getting customer service right in their app. If you love to handle everything without ever needing to talk to a human in a store, then this works great. But if you need to shop for a new phone in person, then Visible probably isn't for you. Someone like Verizon would be a better choice. If you want your wireless bundled with a bunch of extra stuff, don't switch to Visible. But heads up, you're going to have to pay for that stuff. But Visible is focused on the wireless part of wireless. So if you want more than 5G, mobile hotspot, and unlimited data from your wireless plan, and you're willing to stand online or sit on hold and pay top dollar for it, then by all means, don't switch to Visible. Don't even go to Visible.com to learn more. You get it. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. Additional terms apply. Visit Visible.com for additional information. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com. I also wanted to quickly touch on like, obviously COVID changed the world and there was a lot of uh, attempts at responses from tech companies to try to make something that's for this sort of new COVID world. And this sort of exact example came up. There's mm-hmm. a recent leak, and this happens a lot, of a new <laughs> Pixel phone. Okay, They get leaked all the time. Pixel 8, and the leak was that they would have a new uh, sensor on the back that's just a thermometer. Ooh. Just a thermometer. And there was this glyph that was just like, a person holding it up to their forehead like this and like moving it around their temple to take their temperature uh-huh. and like hitting the button and reading. I, what do you think of this? Is this is this too little too late? Should people actually use well, this for anything I mean, it, it's cool. Because I know a lot of times there's like events where they'll hold up the thermometer to your forehead and just like beep, uh, it says 94. Okay, that seems fine. You're, you're good. I mean, just 94 is a little weird. Well, because <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the surface though. It's ne- I've never had it say 98.6. It's always oh, really? lower because okay. it's just like that. The it's ones just, that we use in the hospital are really good. Do they say exact? Because isn't that your core temperature, not your like surface temperature? These, like, I don't know how they work. They're really accurate. Maybe oh, they're wow. calibrated differently. I don't know. Interesting. They're really, really accurate. 
Okay, I kind of want scary. one. Do you think a phone has any shot? Yeah. Or, or is that like that, a step too far? Outside yeah. Outside of my uh, okay. expertise. Okay. I mean, I, where my clinician side is. <laughs> yeah, so fair. I, there's probably some questions we're going to ask yeah. where we think like, you know literally <laughs> everything about everything <laughs> related to, to memes. To, That's what you I have do. a wide, a wide understanding and we're trying to like dig deep on some yeah. random things. Like this reminds me of, uh, I was with, um, I had the same thing. David Blaine did this insane project where he was going to hold on to these balloons and ascend up to 10,000 feet or something crazy. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was more than that. Just holding onto the balloons, which of course means the atmosphere gets thinner. There's lots of oxygen in the air. It's colder. And he did this whole thing where he like floated up the top and then was going to parachute down to the ground. And I was sort of helping him with the behind the scenes and the broadcast of it. And at one point he asked me like, so Marquez, the Apple Watch has, um, it has like a heart rate thing in it. It's got like your VO2 max, and it seems to be able to understand if you're hypoxic, like if your blood oxygen goes too low. Do you think I should use my Apple Watch to know if I'm going hypoxic or if I should get a dedicated like reader? And my first gut re reaction was like, do not trust the Apple Watch. Just, <laughs> yeah. just get the thing that's supposed to do just blood oxygen, and that's probably that's gonna good be advice. super accurate. Um, but it was just, just curious that like the watch totally has a tool that'll tell you, oh yeah, you're at 9,000 feet and your blood oxygen is at 95 instead of 100 and you might be going hypoxic right now, so probably grab some oxygen. And that's just a thing that it can do. Wow. So there's a variety of things. I would still go with the safer I would go I, If it's in a life or death situation, it, it I think I'm It seemed like that was that. life or death. It didn't seem like watching the broadcast that he could buy, possibly die, but in that moment of recommending the tool, I was like, Probably just get the. Word. I also don't even know. Like this is why it's very dangerous to give advice in situations like that. Yeah. For example, the way that all these tools work is they work through a sensor of seeing color of uh, your blood flow going in and in and out. That's even yeah. how the iPhone sensor works. Yep. Who knows if you're when you're that high, are those sensors calibrated for that height? Mm -hmm. I don't even like. Do they work the same way on ground level as they do up there? Right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if the color changes. When you Maybe. go higher, like that's I crazy. Think, I think we assume that like Apple has infinite money <laughs> and can probably yeah. test in infinite scenarios. Sure. And like hopefully they've done enough of this. And like this is very much benefit of the doubt for like this one particular company, but like hopefully they've tested it and hopefully it'll work in all the scenarios we think it should. Yeah. But we just don't know. Or they can provide anecdotal evidence in an event that shows one person having their life saved and that's way cheaper and way, yeah. will sell way more. Fair. It's, yeah. Have you heard of a Whoop? Yeah. Do you, do you think it's good or better than the I, Apple Watch? I, in most cases, recommend against it. Interesting. I'll why? tell you why. You know, it gives you like this score of how well you rested you are and all that stuff. And the yeah. score is probably reliable. Mm -hmm. But you know what's even better to learn and is equally as reliable? How you feel. And you know why that's better than the the phone and the score? I mean, the, the app on the phone and the Whoop itself? Because if the Whoop tells you, you are not well-rested, mm -hmm. even if you are well-rested, mm. you're going to have worse outcomes. Yes. Isn't that sick? I can attest to okay. So my watch has body battery on it. And I was going to ask you about this as well. <laughs> it's similar to that. And I found it, I started using, I finally started sleep tracking and like, I would have days where I'm at 100 body battery and I'm like, I'm going climbing tonight. Like, I'm gonna have a great session. And I had a great session. <laughs> then the next week, it's like, you didn't sleep that well. Your body battery is like 40%. No, I, I get there and I do terrible. I was like, was that me? Or was that actually, was, was it the close to it, like doing well? Time. Or did I just totally psych myself out? This has out been tested. And, so yeah. the way that they tested this is they had people sleep um, 
and they fake track their sleep. Mm -hmm. And they would tell them that they had really bad quality of sleep or really good quality of sleep. And even the people who slept and had bad quality of sleep, they perform better when they were told that they had great quality of sleep. And the people who slept great and were told they had bad quality of sleep perform worse. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just <laughs> going to make a wearable that yeah. tells you every day you had great quality well, of sleep. So you know companies are doing this. Yeah. And you know which companies are doing this? Dating apps. Uh, OkCupid okay yeah. is run, or at least was started by mathematicians. Uh -huh. And they said that if we tell people they're at a higher match percentage than they yeah. really are, the odds of them ending up with people is higher and they'll be happier and more satisfied. And they started doing it and it friggin' works. That is a really fascinating example because that's such an opaque <laughs> yeah. thing. Like you don't know. <laughs> no one you. knows. You don't know I mean, and if it turns into a happy relationship, it's also hard to argue against it as well. Yeah. It's weird and it's taking advantage of people, but it's that's yeah. insane. But that, that's the kind of tech thing that kind of yeah. gets me scared with AI because when they start leaning in those directions, I'm like, ah. I mean, you just segued kind of perfectly into the next segment of things I think mm -hmm. we wanted to talk about, which are like generative generative AI, AI chatbots. I know you've can done- I, Can I make one statement about the final thing about Whoop? Sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I just think it's, it's very valuable. Why I also want people to uh, know on their own when they're feeling tired or maybe had worse quality of sleep is because learning about your body and perception, accurate perception, trying to be as objective as possible of how you feel, goes a long way to having better health outcomes. Yeah. Knowing when you're sore versus injured, knowing when there's a true injury or a pain that needs to be addressed, those things are so important when it comes to like long-term health-related outcomes that if you don't learn that and you trust your phone to do it for you, yeah. you're actually missing out on some really good health benefits. I think what I'm realizing is that and I'm putting this thought together in real time, that most people go about the data in this well-being like kind of backwards. Like you should start with the foundation of how you feel. Mm -hmm. And then maybe on top of that, you can use this sort of quantifying measures to sort of better understand things where I think some people want to start with, oh, it's a computer, it must know me best, but yep, it doesn't. It doesn't. And then they try to make the balancing on top of the computer's numbers when you should start with really just how you feel. So it's kind of backwards. Yes, the simple analogy here is we have calculators, but we still learn how to add and subtract. So yep. we still need to learn about our bodies before we start using these apps. Fair. That's so great. I'm gonna yeah. ask ChatGPT. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna ask ChatGPT all the things I don't know. No, this is, okay, so the other version of this, because we talked about like, okay, a patient comes in, they saw a notification on the Apple Watch. Have you ever had a patient come in with a diagnosis from some, I'm sure not just online, but like an AI oh, chat AI. bot or something like that? No, where they're yet. sort of wondering, okay, because this is gonna happen, I'm pretty I sure. I feel like that will happen. I mean, or I'm maybe sure, they have and they just haven't told me. Oh, they didn't me. tell you. Yeah. They're not. I mean, I'm sure you have plenty of WebMD people. Oh, like, of I, I know I've been that person before, and I always feel bad being like, I read this online and I'm, I don't want to admit it, but that's half the reason Some I'm Some people are like you in that they admit it. Mm -hmm. Some don't, but I make it a routine question to ask a patient, unless it's very straightforward what's going on, what do you think is going on? Because if they read on WebMD, let's use a basic example, like a cough. A patient comes in with a cough. Mm -hmm. I'm making the diagnosis. I'm like, it's not bacterial. I think it's viral. They don't need antibiotics. But the patient went on WebMD and thinks they have cancer. And I go on this long spiel about why it's not bacterial and why it's viral. And then they leave and they're leaving dissatisfied because they don't know if they have lung cancer. I missed the opportunity to actually help the person. Mm -hmm. 
I wish every doctor would ask that. <laughs> I, I've, you've made me like not like most of my doctors after that. I'm going to have to start coming just to like, you or something. Like, I just wish, yeah, yeah, that's such a simple question to ask that I would appreciate. Because get... also sometimes patients won't tell you a little detail or you won't ask the right question. And then by them saying, I think it's this, I would say, oh, but I don't think it's that because you don't have symptom X. They're like, actually. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> uh -huh. now I know what's going on. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen, so there's a, a number of stories of, uh, you know, maybe an AI tool helping to diagnose something faster than a human would mm -hmm. where, and this goes all the way back to like, when I was in school, there was a classic business story of, you know, some dad shares his Amazon account with his daughter and he starts getting recommendations for diapers. And he's like, why am I getting these? This doesn't make sense. And like Amazon knows that the daughter's pregnant before the dad does. And it's because these algorithms are really, really good at pattern recognition and finding things often better than humans. And it seems plausible that an AI tool could start to identify patterns, maybe even in the data from the fitness tracker and actually find some diagnosis that's helpful before a doctor could. Is this a future that worries you as a medical professional? Maybe it's taking a job or maybe it's a good thing that it's better and it can help people find things faster. I don't think it's good yet. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really far away. I'll explain why. If a problem is that hard to find and does not present itself, treating it will likely yield more negative effects than positive. Okay. Because that means it's not that big of a problem. Right. If you have a legitimate problem, like with your heart rate, you will know. And if you have no symptoms and it's not really affecting you, and I had to dig into your data to find a few heartbeats here and there, mm -hmm. giving you a medication that has legitimate side effects that I know will have side effects yeah. probably won't be beneficial. Yeah. So that's why I'm down on it. I think the the one version of this that is outside of that funnel is like specifically cancer and things that ma it matters how early you detect them. Sure. So potentially detecting something earlier than a human would. Yeah. Maybe in its absolute beginning, which so, is ideal. So that is also really tricky because I, I think that is doable. Mm -hmm. But and I think we need to use our AI tools to improve our screening methods. For example, we have really well-proven screening methods that we use. For example, with a cervical cancer, we do pap smears. Yeah. Uh, when we do pap smears, we've essentially eliminated uh, cervical cancer deaths in women. That's like amazing that we've been able to do that. Yeah. Obviously, there was the HPV vaccine as well that has helped because uh, the HPV virus actually causes cancer, one of the rare viruses that mm -hmm. does that, and the vaccine prevents that. So we have screening methods that we use that work well in catching cancer and addressing it and all these things. But then there's ones that are screening methods that aren't great that actually catch too many false positives. They catch too many cancers that are actually never gonna become a problem. Mm. That we, in order to intervene by doing a biopsy or something, we actually create more harm, we fuel health anxiety. So it's a very thin line of that yeah. balance of when do we screen healthy people and when do we not? And I think AI tools can improve our screening methods. Okay. But sense. will they be the final answer for everything? Probably not. Yeah. There's still a human element of like figuring out when to apply certain things. That makes a lot of I'm sense. Sure I've, and I feel like it's in, I, I feel like it'll never, I mean, and that's coming from someone on the outside. I can't imagine it ever taking over even just like general, you have to have like general bedside manner and stuff. Like it's also nice <laughs> yeah. to just be able to talk to <laughs> a physical human, human and yeah. they're interacting much closer. And, and I know these chatbots, they're getting close to like a full-blown conversation, but, but then you're also... You think eventually it'll get there. Do you see the path to getting there becoming 
a burden on kind of the medical community for a while. Maybe not, maybe burden's not the right word, but like pressures. Pre- yeah. And, and not even like influx of more people coming up, kind of like the WebMD problem of. I think there's a world where that happens. Uh, I also think that when you look at AI and we see how right now everyone has this fear of AI taking over, and then you have people reminding the general public. AI is very narrow focused in what it can do. It does one task very well, like ChatGPT gives you written stuff. Other ones give you AI generated images. Other ones do a voice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And right now they're very set in their tasks. So I think in that narrow space, AI could be really good because we could train it to do some of the more mundane tasks, find patterns, uh, analyze data to help us improve our screening methods, when we should screen, when we should not, for for that kind of data analysis. I think that will be beneficial. Do I think AI can fully replace a doctor? For now, no, because it would have to, A, be not as narrow. The human mind, what makes it unique is that is the opposite of narrow. It's so broad and can do so much. Yeah. And the relatability, you know, the fact that, that you know, is important. yes, yeah. so it can fake as being a human, but if you don't have that relatability and you don't buy in. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that is, that is a whole can of worms of like, well, can an AI fake being a human so well that you don't even know that that's, 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 a, that's another, that keeps me up at night. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think there's on this side of rather patients using like chatbots, doctors using chatbots, cause you see it being a potential tool in the future for, and now Maybe this is me thinking about like house a little too much where he has to have these full blown conversations of like, it might be this, this, let's check the symptoms. And maybe that's not what every doctor does essentially. But could you see it being a tool of you trying to think of something yeah. and using it as just something to bounce ideas off yeah, of? Yeah, I just think it needs to be very well validated and that's going to okay. be really expensive to do. That's there. that's the tough part about the AI tools right now because they just make stuff up. Yeah, like oh, we, were, yeah. we were talking about just like if you're an expert in a field and you ask AI tool like a very basic question, then you can vet how good or bad the answers are. Yeah, And as someone who's an expert in like tech stuff, we'd ask it a basic tech question and get an answer where we're like, oh, that's not great. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. not a great answer. Yeah. So I, you know, the other answers and other things I'm not an expert in seem very valid, but I have no idea of knowing if they're actually good. I mean, it, it reminds me of an instance that I had when I was in my medical school training. I was working at Coney Island Hospital and I was working alongside one of the top cardiologists. We walked into a patient's room. I knew the patient well because I examined them in the mornings before the doctor does their rounds. Mm. And the doctor comes in, gives the correct diagnosis, the perfect plan, lays out even like some options. If the patient doesn't want to do plan A, there's a plan B. Perfect. Like everything's awesome. They walk out of the room. The patient looks at me and goes, what did they say? Mm. No, no connection there. But the information was accurate. Yeah. It was easy enough that I understood it, mm-hmm. but not on a level where they connected. Right. So can an AI not only be not as narrow as it currently is, but also be able to absorb patients' body language, the way that they're interpreting data? Can they verify that? Will people have the buy-in to do that? There's so many factors. I feel like we all nuke each other before that happens. (laughs) I'm just like, I think it's possible. I think these could all be inputs into the system. Obviously, it's it's very difficult and it's a long way off. But... uh, there's there's all these AI tools of like, all right, you want to be able to summarize a, a book or a medical paper, we train it on that data specifically, and then it can give us accurate answers, which are verifiable to the thing it's trained on. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted to create some magical, let's say, cardiologist AI doctor, you would train it on a, a hand selected by people like you set of medical papers that have good information, 
and then maybe and it's good enough to give answers that are up to par with what a cardiologist would have said and then it also gets all the information of like okay it's got a camera so it can read your body language as it's giving you information this is all very far out but i'm just picturing like tesla bot at the bedside like i can oh, see your geez. heart rate is high <laughs> yeah, here's what i will talk do talk about you. anxiety in the doctor's <laughs> office of tesla yeah bot maybe don't do in. maybe don't do tesla bot that's a little that's a little far out maybe wally i see what you're saying and i see a world where it's possible i just think that there's so many barriers and there's so many ways it can go wrong before we even get to that point mm. that i'm super skeptical that we get there I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm wrong, and there's. I would, be I, I, I would trust you more doctor. than uh, yeah. than us, yeah, for sure. Can I can I throw out an interesting medical AI story that came out? I think last week. Yes. Um, there's a scary half and a benevolent half, and I'll, I'll only share the benevolent half. <laughs> um, but a lot of pharmaceutical co companies are using models right now to uh, predict toxicity in. Uh, like analogs for drugs. So if, what they'll do is they'll take a drug they know works and then produce 40,000 different variations and have an AI say, oh no, this one's going to block this receptor and we can't have that and stuff like that. The flip side of that is that our, the same a team of researchers- Bioterrorism. Yeah, a team of researchers like to see if it was possible flipped a few line of code and just had it make different poisons for six hours. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. that, that's actually so much less worrying to me than what I thought he was going to say, oh, as funny gosh. as that is. <laughs> Poison's whatever. you got to ingest the poison. That's true. But now, what about a virus that uses your own body to replicate that we can now program oh. using AI right. to be the most infectious, to be the most lethal, that only affects certain genetic types? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That's like, yeah, we, we were talking about these hypotheticals. Talk about bioterrorism yeah. on bad. full display. There was a headline recently, actually today, that uh, Neuralink yeah, got it's going FDA first, approval yeah. to do human testing. Mm -hmm. And it's really funny reading the comments because half the comments are like, I would do it. Yeah, it seems like a great idea. Like this Elon guy is pretty smart. I feel like I want a computer in my brain. And then the other half are like, I would never be first in line yeah. for human testing. Like we've seen first gen tech products for so long. Like if you've seen like the first gen iPhone, the first gen folding phone, do you want the first gen iPhone version of a human brain implant? Yeah. Not really. No. Uh, but I'm curious where you where you see this. Stuff. I think a lot of times when it comes to these really borderline ethical medical experiments, because when we do medical research, they have to go through a process known as an ERB, which is an ethical ethics review board. And I actually was a member of one of these when I was a student. And they have all sorts of people on them, teachers, doctors, non-medical people, business people, so that we get the general gist of, is this project ethical to go? Mm -hmm. And using CRISPR as an example, it's pretty uniformly country to country agreed upon that this is an unethical thing to test on humans unless they have an illness that is lethal and they will not survive. So that is why when it came out that, I believe it was in China, they were doing some CRISPR gene editing yeah. on um, an individual to see if they can cure HIV. We found that in the international medical community to be really unethical because HIV is no longer a life-threatening virus. We have medications for it. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they were testing it on that virus, we found to be very unethical. Yeah. And when it comes to Neuralink, unless you're implanting this in someone who desperately needs 
whatever. I don't even know what the hell this thing yeah, does. Yeah, I have no idea. Then I don't know who would be first in line to get yeah. this thing. Yeah, I don't know enough about what Neuralink is designed to be, but it seems, from what I've read, to be more of a, a add-on than a solution. It's and they've to be fair they've said like <laughs> oh we've had yeah. lots of like examples of it like helping a paralyzed mouse to be able to walk again and like there's really cool possible examples of it being a solution but clearly not everyone needs it hmm. so it's kind of weird for just like regular healthy people to volunteer for a brain implant they probably don't need so that's kind of how I see it and I just wonder like why. Uh, there, there's so many cool experiments like that going on. I remember I was in Israel learning about their biotech stuff, and they had for people, I believe, that had strokes or traumatic brain injuries where they needed to regrow neurons, and they were literally using electron fields or magnets or something to try and regrow these fields in order to create pathways for neurons to fire. And I was like... This is so above my understanding mm -hmm. that this could potentially work, but at the same time, could this kill someone? Could this girl, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know anything about it. And we need to be really careful about, again, there's promise and a lot of stuff, but then we gotta talk about the negatives because if mm -hmm. we don't, we can really get in trouble in, in the world sector of things. And causing more harm when trying yeah. to cause good, yeah. There's that classic line when good intentions ca cause bad outcomes. I think we need to be more cognizant of that these days. Because like we're very good at being PR people for our stuff. Yeah. Like, look at all the good that I'm trying to do. But mm, could there be bad outcomes from Was this? the Jurassic Park? Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not that they could that they forgot to think about whether or not they should. Yeah, That's a pretty... Go. With powerful. great power comes great responsibility. Powerful line. <laughs> We've been throwing a lot of products at you that we that we review a lot. Is there anything in the tech slash medical or just healthy lifestyle aspect that you're excited about these days? I am excited about improving things that require calculations. Because we as doctors, A, we don't have time, and B, we're really bad at doing these calculations, or we forget to do them in a lot of cases. And if I could know right away which patient would benefit from starting a statin, which is a cholesterol-lowering medication, okay. uh, when I should start it on them, based on the calculations that are already given to me from analyzed data of you know millions of patients, that's going to lead me to give better medical advice. Genetic testing is still not there yet mm -hmm. uh, for for like general use for us at home I'm, I'm like really negative on people taking genetic tests at home okay. you're talking about like 23 and me stuff like that yeah like i don't even want to individualize companies sure, but sure. yeah the, i think it's problematic for so many reasons we could even get into it later but in the future i'm really excited about finding out which patients of mine based on their dna would benefit from one antidepressant versus another instead okay. of having me experiment with them mm. and get a subjective answer when they may have just had a week and they're actually not getting the best medication it gets really messy that way what uh you said we could get into it later yeah. do you mind saying like what why you're generally against at-home genetics? yeah so a they're incomplete okay so when you go to see uh a proper geneticist and you go to a genetic counselor, what they do is they do the, the most validated tests, the tests that are testing for all different variables of a specific illness, mm -hmm. and then they give you guidance based on what we know off the data and what we don't know. And off of that, you could make some decisions for your health. But when you get these at-home tests, you're like, oh, check if you have higher low risk for developing diabetes okay. later in life. What do you do with that data? Mm -hmm. What do you do when you find out you have low risk for developing diabetes? Do you eat sugar more? Tons of it. 
but like that's bad. That's not good <laughs> advice because your yeah. body, uh, your life is not just about diabetes. There's, uh, yeah. it's unhealthy to eat a ton of sugar, not just for diabetes. Yeah, yeah. Or the more like a pronounced one with Chris Hemsworth situation, people are getting tested to find out if they're going to develop uh, neurologic diseases early in life, like Alzheimer's. What is the use of finding that out? Yeah, yeah. There's no intervention. In the future, maybe. And when I say no intervention, like yes, eating a healthy, uh, living a healthy lifestyle, all that can mitigate that risk. Yeah. But do but that you anyway. Can, yeah, you can do, just it, do anyway. it yourself. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, for Alzheimer's, but for literally every other disease. That's a new startup. A, 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 <laughs> it just tells you every time, like if you if you don't develop a healthy lifestyle quickly, it's going to go downhill for you. And it yes. just tells that to everyone. <laughs> to everyone. everyone starts developing yeah. a healthy lifestyle, and everyone's happy. This is the argument that I have with some of my friends. Uh, they're like, I should get preventive MRIs to catch things early because then we could prevent certain problems. And I'm like, but all you end up hearing in most of these cases is just like live a healthy lifestyle. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> yeah. And even that is a little bit more complicated because it needs to be individualized, what that means for you based on your values, your culture, your government, what access you mm -hmm. have. I mean, so many different variables, but it's the same thing for everybody. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Do, do you see any um, current consumer-based tech that you could see? So like you could see helping potentially like a more healthy lifestyle becoming more active. Like one thing I kind of think about is VR and kind of video games that are incorporating more activity mm -hmm. rather than sitting at a chair all the time. Like, do you think that there's some minor benefits there of getting someone up and moving yeah. around a little more than, I mean, as theoretically, yes. Okay. And while I'm usually very evidence-based by looking at the collective randomized controlled studies, that's the gold standard. I'm going to give you anecdotal research that I've done. Sure. Everyone that I've ever met in my life that got a VR product used it four and a half times. <laughs> And discontinued. Same. So it's like <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with that. I <laughs> yeah. mean, it's so it's it is more about developing habits than it is finding a quick like uh, gadget to yes. help you do something. I think that's the ultimate takeaway when it comes to health because there's such a homeostasis between acid base, hot and cold. Like that mm. thin line exists, and it needs to be balanced so carefully that there's no quick fix because any quick fix is going to come with a quick downside. Also, yeah, I guess it kind of goes into what you were saying before about getting things that feel like a motivator. VR is just turning into another yeah. one of those, like, I'm going to get a two-week stint. I mean, like, listen, I played Beat Saber nonstop for, like, two I weeks, and then that thing hasn't been plugged in. The caveat the is, if inside of Beat Saber, there's some sort of gamification that makes you want to come back every day, like closing my rings on the watch, like, if there's something like that... Yeah, then... like, if it creates a community around it where you go to tournaments... That too, it, yeah. It's well thought out. Yeah. It, it could exist. It absolutely. Yeah. It's the same with cool. relationships. I mean, I'm sure you've seen in your personal lives, whether for yourself or others, any relationship that starts super hot and they're in love day one. Yeah, that's you need. I'm gonna I'm gonna let the, it sit the there. gimmick at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. That's fair. Yeah. That's usually lust. And if you're lusting after your VR, odds are you're not going to be continuing it or you're down the line. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 
This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. All right. I got a little <coughs> lightning round for you. Okay, I want to throw a bunch of small tech-related medical concepts, or maybe just medical so concepts. That tech or like uh, people in the tech world, their lifestyle choices, maybe, maybe, maybe unhealthy habits. Stuff I'm wondering have. about. Uh, okay. First one is David has a water bottle that like tracks how much he drinks every day. Mm. Literally, like the battery can die on his water bottle. It's hilarious. How much water should we actually drink every day? It's individually. Dang it. Decided. <laughs> first of all, I'll. Can I judge the water bottle? Uh, I wish we had it. No, no, no. no. I mean, judge it like like. Oh yeah. Tell absolutely. you what I think about it. Yes, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. Please. I think you've evolved as a species for millions <laughs> of years and. <laughs> No one's ever been like, uh, I mean, not no one, I should be careful here. 99.99% of individuals know when they're thirsty and you could just use that as a gauge. Okay. Um, if you fall into this rare specific population that maybe you're taking a medication that makes you more thirsty, maybe you are uh, have ADHD and you're taking Adderall and that causes you to forget to drink or whatever it is, then maybe it's a tool that works. But yeah. the huge majority of people, gimmick. It's not eight like eight glasses or whatever every day. No, that's just made up. Ten gallons every up. time. I wake I, th up. If you were trying to be, I guess, like medically sound about it, you would look at your urine and you would aim to have a straw-colored urine. Okay. So like pale yellow. Fair. I like and that. And whatever that, because uh, again, if you go outside and you run and it's hot, you're going to need more water than if you sat all day inside. And if you have a higher body mass and more muscle, again, there's different variables. Eight glasses is so random. Here. We have. Yeah, we have healthy water drinking habits like, at the studio. Well, we can't say that one last time at Gamer. We had no water bottles and like twelve <laughs> cases of Red Bull Fair. in the kitchen. Yeah. So. Somewhat, somewhat. Okay, this might have a similar answer, but okay. how many hours of sleep should I actually aim for? Yeah, adults seven to nine. Seven to nine. nine? And it's not just the number of hours; it's consistency of those hours, mm -hmm. and even more so, the consistency of which hours. Would you value a sleep score that can just like do the calculations for how consistent you're being and how often you're hitting those targets? I feel why, like most of them why, do that. Why? Well, I don't necessarily know if I if I am hitting the same. Yeah, you do. Fall asleep. I, time yeah. Every are you day. are you tired when you wake up in the morning? Am I tired when I wake up? I feel like we're well, getting to the point where I can answer for you because it, like I know how you're going to answer half of these questions. So like, you no, kind of know like, that already. You know, like yeah. It doesn't make your life better to know. Is my question. No, yeah, not that's, really. That's... Can I ask a question on the consistency part of that? Sure. So when you say consistent, you mean it is seven to nine hours every day, every week, not I'm doing six hours this night and then Correct. nine hours yeah, the next night. The There's no like making up for yeah. that sleep. Ideally, you find the number of hours that works for you. And it's, by the way, different for everybody. Sure, sure. Um, Matthew Walker, uh, who's a sleep expert, like he's kind of the sleep diplomat. I think that's his Twitter handle. He was on my podcast and uh, we talked about, he has a book called Why We Sleep. Really interesting book, highly recommend it. He not only talks about that the hours need to be consistent, that if you're sleeping from like 11 to 8, sleep 11 to 8 every night. Okay, yeah. So the no, okay. not number of hours and which hours is okay, very important. Okay, yeah. Weekends sleep the same. And if you don't, it's going to get messy. But then there's individuals who some people are night owls, some people are morning people, but then there's also people in between. 
So not everyone is actually designed by nature to sleep at the same time. Mm. And our society kind of makes that unfortunate distinction that everyone needs to sleep at the same time. Yeah. And that's not the way nature intended it because nature was meant to keep some people up at night maybe hmm. to watch over us while we slept. So there's like, that's the theory of what's going on. Cool. And what has happened, I was just reading a great book on the way here called Sapiens uh, through Audible, not reading and driving. Um, <laughs> and there was a part that just played that is very applicable here. Back in the day, the shoemaker would make the entire shoe. Mm -hmm. So if the shoemaker came late to work, no one cared because they could keep making their shoes and they'd be fine. But now in the assembly line in the industrial age, if one person does not show up exactly on time, the whole system falls apart. So it made everyone have to come to work at the same exact time. It created public transportation that needed to bring people at the exact same time to work. But humans are not all the same. And as a result, it kind of has some negative imp implications on us. What's the word for... You'd know this word when normalization. No, we have like a when humans used to have a tail, but now it's just like oh yeah, tailbone. Yeah, uh, like a remnant. Vestigial. Uh, vestigial, That's a vestigial remnant. Remnant of old. Yeah, yeah. We don't need to all wake up at the same time. Okay, I like that. Uh, blue light glasses, dumb or actually smart? Uh, for what? Uh, I, I guess, guess it's mostly for like style. Definitely dumb. Hundred percent. No, I agree. With you. But I think most of them. There's a whole bunch of all this research that I read and that I keep hearing in these tech presentations about how oh, the longer you see blue light into the afternoon hours, the more your brain is tricked into thinking it's the daytime mm -hmm. and it makes it harder to go to sleep. That's true. So there's either blue light glasses or your phone will have some mode where it stops showing you blue light after a certain hour. Mm -hmm. Does this actually make a meaningful difference? Yeah. Most blue light glasses are not blocking enough blue light to make the, the difference between impacting melatonin, which is your sleepiness hormone that your brain produces throughout mm -hmm. the day. So um, uh, closer to the night rather, and they're not really as effective. But traditionally blocking blue light or less exposure to blue light close to bedtime is ideal because okay. you want maximal melatonin to get sleepy at night. So that's that's true. Most blue light glasses are not even great at doing that. That's number one. Number two, the thing that pisses me off about blue light glasses, they lie. When you go on their websites, they say that they help with eye strain. Yeah, they do say that. They do not do anything. Blue light is not why you have eye strain. You have eye strain because you stare at a computer without blinking and your muscles are tired. Oh, yes. And you need to every 20 seconds look 20 feet away that's Every 20, 20 minutes. I was going to say 20 <laughs> yeah. seconds 20, 20, is all. 20. Every 20 minutes, look 20, 20 feet, feet away, away for 20 seconds. Yes, that's the rule. That's going to help your eye strain, yeah. not the blue yeah. light glasses. So you're saying the $240 razor blue light glasses I just got are not worth it? Uh, it depends what's worth it to you. If you want to <laughs> block some blue light at night before you go to sleep, maybe. They make me look really dumb. If you're editing, I'll say <laughs> that that sucks because then you can't get a good color perception of what you're looking at. I fully That's, agree. I will not wear them while editing. We talk about that with like the phones or computers because there's a lot of yeah. just like screens that will then like mm -hmm. reduce blue light. But then yeah. I but talk then about how orange. mine at 10 o'clock and you're like, how am I going to edit a, a Instagram picture at 10 o'clock? My Instagram picture is going to look blue when I post it. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, when will people stop talking about cold plunging? I don't know. This is like a, a I, would, I don't want to say it's Andrew Huberman. He he definitely got people hyped on the cold water immersion thing. Yeah. I, I will just say like, again, like lose the quick fixes. They don't exist. Mm. It's This is hilarious because we're in an industry, right? Where we can sell things. Mm -hmm. And all the things in my industry that I can sell, I'm poo-pooing. Supplements, <laughs> health tech, mm -hmm. every sponsorship I can it's get. what right we want to That's what we <laughs> would <laughs> like to hear oh, though. Like, out of By the way, this doesn't work. Um, it just like, if you love it, enjoy it. Like yeah. do it as a hobby. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to go out and say like soccer is so much more healthy than uh, tennis or something. Like it's mm-hmm. whatever that's you want. It feels like. Yeah, that's, that's what's happening. It's yeah. like if some doctor comes to you and is like, "Yo, you're lifting. You need to be crossfitting because mm. it's so much healthier." It's like leave that guy. I mean, like there's no. Here's why. Maybe their research will tell you something that's true. Mm-hmm. But here's my take on it. Life has so many variables. There's so many things that can go wrong that are outside of our control. Thinking that you now have the grasp of control by doing one sport or another, going to this water temperature versus this, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's really, it's it's a fake version of reality, thinking that you have that much control, that if you go five minutes into 65 degrees versus 63 degrees, come on. Yeah, you're allowed to do it without posting about it, by the way. <laughs> It's possible. Um, I have one that's, uh, I wish had a quick fix, but like you said, probably there isn't one. And a lot of us nerds deal with it. You can probably tell me right now, poor posture. Okay. And do you have any tips on how to improve that? Or like, how much is this, how am I destroying my back over the years of playing games and sitting at a computer? um, One, never buy a posture corrector, those straps that you see on TikTok. I've had it in my cart multiple times and I just stop. It's like, the thing like that you just put your shoulders your chair? No, no, no. It has like a, it's like a back brace thing that like strains out your back. Oh. But it's actually terrible because yeah. the purpose of having good posture is that your muscles naturally keep you in a healthy posture. But by wearing this thing, you actively weaken the muscles that you're supposed to be training for good posture. Oh, I had this exact, I had a mini version of this mm-hmm. with my feet because if you have plantar fasciitis, that's kind of like the arch. Yep was fatigued, so I felt the need to wear arches that would support it, but then that weakens the muscles, and I was like conflicted on whether or not I should do it. Plantar fascia is not necessarily muscle, but maybe there was some other mechanical thing happening. I watched a lot of YouTube videos, so I'm sorry I got some <laughs> misinformation, but yes, yes, you're probably right. Yeah, so I ended up uh, designing my own shoe for two years, and now that helps Okay, a lot. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what everyone should just do <laughs> yeah. when they've got that problem. Yeah, it worked out. Yeah. So I will say, being in an unhealthy posture for a long period of time, which is what we do at work, is not ideal. So you want an ergonomic good position. Mm-hmm. But the idea that posture is to blame for all our problems is overstated. Okay. I like I've I've found myself attempting to fix it. I've found myself noticing it more often. I've been physical attempting, therapy, yeah, I, doing the I exercises, done, yeah. strengthening certain support muscles, finding out where you're weak, all that's very important. Like incredibly way more important than any quick fix than anything you can mm-hmm. do. Yeah. I hope one day, one day I will be like, I think I spent the whole day in a nice posture. <laughs> that will be my crowning achievement. You know that, arms. by the way? What? My number one prescription to physical therapy. PT? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. To I patients. can vouch for PT yeah. for sure. Uh, which is a, hmm, this doesn't have a real answer, but I just want to see what you say. Okay. Which, which is a worse vice? Ooh, ooh, I like these. Caffeine it's like a would you rather. Or sugar. This is from someone uh, who. In excess? In, uh, I guess, in that, can we talk about a habitual caffeine versus habitual sugar? But, like, I can eat t- 10 grams of sugar, I can eat 5,000, like, you know what I'm saying, right? A, a, like, overeating sugar or over drinking caffeine? Mm, can we, can we, yeah. <laughs> how about, let's go, can we a, know that cup level? of coffee? You, yeah, because it's le- coffee is 400 milligrams per uh, day that we say that you should have versus sugar. I don't know what the exact um, numbers are versus a tall glass of orange of fruit juice with every meal. Wait, wait. Say the first one again. What's the coffee number? A cup of coffee every morning. Okay. Or or a full glass of fruit juice with every meal. So that's maybe 
20 grams. No, it's more than that. Way more than that. 40 grams? Orange juice has a ton of sugar in it. Yeah. Here we go. It's basically soda it, without yeah. the carbonation. Yeah. It's what I'm, what I'm asking is, is my vice of sugar <laughs> going to kill me faster or slower than the one I'm avoiding, which is caffeine? Um, you, For you, I'll give you, this is not individualized advice because I'm okay. not your doctor. I'm going to say all the medical legal things. But sure. I, what I will say is n- none of those matter to your health longstanding, mm-hmm. especially because you participate so actively in sports you have a higher glucose requirement than most okay so i'm fine and also you can drink coffee i mean again i don't know your lab values that's why i can't Mm -hmm. give you advice as your doctor but like if you're everything's fine Mm -hmm. and you're an athlete and you drink orange juice for all your meals you're fine but now if your bmi is 40 and you have heart disease and you're drinking orange juice and your triglycerides are through the roof and all this stuff mm-hmm. yeah maybe that's not ideal maybe the coffee is a healthier choice is there a similar thing like caffeine i feel like i know you don't drink much of it but like there are a lot of people especially in this tech and gamer world who are they drink a lot of coffee or worse a lot of energy drinks yeah is there any difference to that and obviously this is individualized but you're an active person you're drinking a lot of caffeine or you are i am sitting down and playing games and i'm just pounding red bulls or mm, energy drinks i don't think that one is as important lifestyle wise okay. i think that one is more uniform the recommendation that if you're going over the recommended amount consistently mm-hmm. you're going to create long-term harm okay and 400 is a pretty solid number it's like, not it's, a solid it, number one there's one uh blonde uh, like the big size blonde roast at starbucks really? is 400 really and people put espressos into that bad boy <laughs> well yeah starbucks drinks are an anomaly so that's like, it feels like does that also numb you to it because i i always wondered like tolerance uh, builds up yeah like mm-hmm. there's a gatorade fast twitch gatorade or something mm-hmm. that has it's they have like a bunch of different gatorades now this one's for like in the moment performance and i think there's caffeine in it yeah and so i wonder as someone who never drinks caffeine would that be more effective for me if it was than if I always had coffee every day? It's more, if you've never had caffeine, you're ca- caffeine naive, we call it, mm-hmm. you're gonna get a better result from drinking the caffeine. Sick. What we've also seen in research, you can become caffeine naive quite quickly. Okay. So if you take only a few days off drinking caffeine, hmm. you can already start seeing improved benefits. Okay. Um, something that I was gonna say about caffeine, caffeine's the number one studied performance enhancing drug. Definitely. And it actually has, proven benefits. It's like the most well-studied, the most evidence behind it, that it truly improves performance. It goes caffeine, creatine, protein. Those are the three most proven supplements. And again, remember I said, 90% of us don't need supplements. Yeah. Noted. Okay. I love that. And I guess the last one for me is uh, our phones now have these digital well-being sections in the settings where they will try to limit how much you use certain apps during the day but it's incredibly easy to override them is the other thing. So they'll go, all right, you need one hour of Instagram or less per day, one hour or less of YouTube per day. Is is a social media detox worth considering for anybody who's yeah. maybe spending too much time on social media? You asked me a different question than I thought you were going to ask me. A social media detox is wise. It's good mm-hmm. to take it every now and then, especially for us who are so involved in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, but the apps themselves are good for getting a grasp on what's going on. But if you are thinking that's gonna be a solution, you're probably mistaken in most cases, given the fact that they work in the same way the posture correctors work. 
you need to figure out what a healthy balance is and be aware of when you've reached your limit. Yeah. But when you start relying on this thing to be your posture corrector, that's, that's where you're really going to run into trouble. I love that analogy. Yeah. yeah. Life's hard is yeah, the bottom yeah, line. Yeah, it's, and it's anyone that's promising you a shortcut is probably trying to make some money and not really helping you in many cases. Bang. Clip that. Clip that. That's a short TikTok. We've got that one. And I lost all my sponsorship. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Well, I think we have uh, one last thing we want to do, which is a little bit of trivia. I wanted to have you uh, explain. Do you know what this is? You? Yes, I do know what this is. (laughs) Where have you seen this? This is in one of my videos. My 10 million subscriber <laughs> video. I was like, wait, why does that look familiar? We'll put it on the screen for those who haven't seen it. Well, I just wanted were to... Were you happy with how my uh, animator was, designed you? I was going to ask, <laughs> is this how I look to you? <laughs> is this how I really look, Mom? I mean, we, we did do uh, a round of reviews, and we felt like these were the closest that they, they did. You and uh, Casey, they're hanging out. Like look at all the money on the table, though. There is a lot of money on the were table. You, that gets snatched off. you ever signed off. with an MCM? Uh, n- not, no, not a traditional one, no. What do you mean not a traditional Meaning I, I started working with a company that wasn't an MCN until they started selling ads for me, and I was the first channel they ever started selling ads uh, for. Ah. So, wow. yeah. So not a traditional one. But that was what that segment was about. Oh, MCNs? Yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. It was printed out and left in the studio, I have to ask. I love it. Okay, trivia time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I missed it the lights. first time. <laughs> So today's trivia question. It bothers me. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to give you three medical devices. Okay. You need to tell me the order in which they were invented. And I'm looking at not just I'm looking not for like theoretical someone wrote down this idea. I'm talking about they used them on a human being in Patented. that year. Okay. okay. Interesting. And it goes from earliest well, I'm going to give you the three devices and you need to tell me from earliest to yeah, like, So early. if I say number 1, that's the earliest. Exactly. Okay. okay. Yes. All right. Number one, the implantable pacemaker. Not an external pacemaker and not a wearable pacemaker, but a pacemaker that goes inside the human body. Number two, the medical laser. And again, I'm not looking for when someone invented the laser. I'm looking for the first time someone shot a laser at a human to heal them. Number three, computerized medical records. Hmm. I'm definitely just going to do a slow zoom on Dr. Mike's thinking face. (laughs) (laughs) Is this one of those things where you know too much and then it's potentially... Yeah, for sure. uh, They're good at getting questions that are anyone has the chance. Hold on a second. I'm I'm fairly confident that I fact check all of this correctly, but I I welcome... uh, Dr. Mike, I welcome your um actuallys as a uh, a medical professional. Yeah, no way. Again... I, I watch memes. This is, not, <laughs> this is not what I do. All right. This is, uh, we flip our boards. Uh, Mike, what did you have? I was going to go with what you did, but I, I went computer, medical records, EHR, pacemaker, laser. And that is earliest to latest. Yes. So, Unfortunately, Mike. Uh, on all of them. So sorry. Oh, okay. did you all put the same thing? No, no. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, okay. I, I went, would... oh, what did you do? I did computerized medical records one, medical laser two, which I'm starting to think is earlier than we think, and then implantable pacemaker three. Oh, so I do have a different one. I have laser. (laughs) (laughs) 
it's like no, the correct answer is implantable pacemaker, 1958. Wow. That was the first time someone stuck one of those in somebody. Um, fun fact, before that, there were these wearable pacemakers that you had to plug into the wall. So you just had full wall voltage running through your chest. Dope. Uh, number two is the optical laser in 1961. Just a year after the laser was invented, someone had the idea to shoot it at a guy, specifically a guy's eyeball, to remove a tumor. And Incredible. It and then computer medical records? Computer medical records, there were several, specifically four attempts to set them up. The earliest one was in 1968. And the I don't one believe I have here that there was, was a pacemaker, but they didn't have a record yeah, electronically. They were shooting lasers at eyes and then like <laughs> yes. punching what's, a paper. What's even crazier is the idea of shooting electricity at someone's heart goes back all the way to the 19th century. Wow. Yeah. Weird. Yo, computers are young. Yeah. I, I had a feeling the records was the trick part of that question. I know. Like that's why I knew records either came first or last. I've yeah. I, that's what I should have thought I put in the middle. <laughs> I thought the laser would be for sure the trick one. Interesting. Wow. Wow. Laser was in the middle, huh? That was a good question. Thank, Thank you. There's, there's Is that the only one? I have another one. Oh, oh yeah. Let's do you, want, you want to do it? Let's do mass, it. Portfolio? Yeah. See. All right. According to a 2020 survey by Cisco... What percent? Song song? Uh, what? <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> you Alice might be too young. Who did the thong song? <laughs> uh, no, Cisco, the uh, networking giant. Oh, uh, that's what I meant. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. According to a 2020 survey by Cisco, what percent of medical devices are currently running unsupported software? That means the software they're running has no patches or updates available. 2020. And this is closest wins? Oh, yes. Uh, here we do <laughs> prices right rules. So closest without going over. Is it a stupid answer? <laughs> I don't want to go first this time. Before, I just want to say, uh, this question was inspired by an episode of the podcast Darknet Diaries. So if Ooh. you're interested in this, hmm. go check them out. Wow, that's a high number, Marcus. So I said 91%. I said 42%. All right, that, that is under. So, Mike, okay. you have to shoot the tube. I'm so sorry. The was it 3.13? It's uh, 60% of, <laughs> oh. of medical devices that are actually... currently surprises me surprises you because it that it's low or high i figured very few medical devices get software patches i guess it depends what you consider a medical device so it's an issue people talk about in cybersecurity a lot oh, it's because huge. things like a medical laser typically is actually running a version of windows 2000 which i thought it was 3.1 which wouldn't be that big of an issue, except now these medical laser devices are hooked up to Wi-Fi's, oh. uh, hospitals' Wi-Fi networks. Yeah. And so they're actually points of attack now for a yeah. lot of cybersecurity threats. Um, so hospitals aren't sure whether to, you know, get new medical device, like get new lasers that run up-to-date OSs and then retrain everybody or leave this sort of point of vulnerability in their system. Hmm. That's why you guys are worried about AI we have lasers that are about to <laughs> <Yeah. have. laughs> Wi-Fi connected lasers in hospitals. That's crazy. Good to know. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad wow. to... Most cars aren't software updatable, so that's that's pretty impressive. One last question, Mike. Okay. 
How fast can you type the alphabet? What's like the average speed? I don't even know. It's. I feel like it's hard to do an average. Do you have how to do, do a, type are mistakes the allowed? Uh, just A through Z. You can make mistakes, but as long as you hit every letter, in order. We can. We we're, can just, we're gonna test it. If that's out. what you're we wondering, we can just yeah, find yeah. out. Yeah. I'm gonna say, if I'm gonna aim to try and do no mistakes, I mm -hmm. would do it. Ten seconds. I don't think anyone's so ever gonna, guessed their time. Yeah, no one's ever guessed. So time. I'm excited about this. I almost guarantee you're gonna be faster than you think because you've, you've. Just so you know, it's something we do with all of our guests on oh. here. Um, similar yeah. to if you've watched Top Gear, do, they do have. Do I look? Am I allowed to? Yeah, look? yeah, you're so, allowed to do however makes you the fastest possible. Yeah, the way this works is. Oh, you, you have an app? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> you made this? No, we. Oh. My friend made it. <laughs> <laughs> so you type A through Z. If you miss one, you have to keep. Yeah, you, you have to hit that Let's letter to go on, and uh, we'll give you three shots. Don't hit enter at the end because it resets the counter. Oh, okay. So the timer shows up when you hit Z. And we do have a leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that at the end, but now there's a little pressure. Sometimes pressure gets it going. Now I yeah, need the caffeine. True. True. Yeah, that would true. Performance I also like how you take your watch off. I always take my watch off when I like type. It's really annoying. With, um, with well, the metal. Yeah, yeah. The home yeah. row. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to type it like my also, father Also, do you does. like the... Um, do you like the laptop keyboard or we have other keyboard choices oh, if there's something you would prefer? I like, that key I like, you like this one I right like here? the old school. Is 10 seconds even on the leaderboard what I predicted? I'll tell you as soon as you finish your first okay. rep. <laughs> and I have three reps. Yes. Yes. Okay, ready? Yeah. Should I just go? Well, yeah, when you press A, it will start press. the timer. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Seven point nine. I was close. Wow! I, I was gonna say really that sounded close. really close to you. I wrote down eight point two, but that's a great first rep. Feel free to go two more. You might improve your time. I see detailed results though. What is that about? There, if oh, you want to just... look, it's the time between each letter, oh. and you can see where potentially you. Uh... Seven point nine three. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Six point nine. That's a that big improvement. Nice, really good improvement. Okay. Do you think you can Seven. shave another second off? Yes, that's a, <laughs> a whole another second. That trajectory would be incredible if you did it again. But yeah, that's a that's a really solid spot already. Okay. Okay. I have to hit reset, right? Or enter. <clears throat> Shake it out. Okay. So you. Got I'm gonna it. go really fast. Okay. Uh... It's 5.9. Wait, you got 5.9? 5.9, we have to. That's, uh, Woo, 5.97. I feel like pretty good about that. So where do you think? So right now we've got about 20-something names on the leaderboard. Yeah. Where do you think 5.97 would rank you? Eighth. You're exactly right. Wait, no what way. the hell? This is, these are some weird... One, two, three, <laughs> four, five, no, wait, six, wait, seven. No, you're ninth. Nine. Sorry. Uh -huh. The current eighth is 5.9. It's Doug DeMiro. He got 5.900. Uh, okay. He got 5.97. So you're right behind him at number nine between Doug DeMiro and So Crispy Media. Wow. Well played. I'd be interested to see... Way faster than what we it, thought. Well, <laughs> 10 seconds. 10 seconds is not on the leaderboard. Everybody's under 10. Everyone's oh, really? under 10. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't know uh, how long this takes. I... I got over 10 seconds and it was so bad. We just decided to <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> yeah, it was like, don't I, even I need to know me. what Tom did. Tom Scott oh, did a blistering 3.55 seconds. What? 
followed by Quinn from Snazzy Labs and my original time from when we first started the Mark test. Mark has good at everything. Still it's on really annoying board. around well, here. Someone's going to get me off the podium. But that's one, two, and three. Oh. And then four. That was your first time? Yeah, we all did three tries at the studio just to set a leaderboard yeah. just to have context. And that's so really I set good. a 4.5 and I'm, I'm, I'm going to get knocked off eventually, sooner or later. But welcome like to the leaderboard. If you give him two more tries, shaving a second off yeah. each one, I think he'd knock you off there. Welcome to the top 10, Mike. That was wow. an impressive showing. Okay. Thank you for joining us, of course, for the really? Waveform Podcast. We appreciate all the medical advice and all the expertise that you bring. And, of course, uh, you should go watch Mike's videos if you haven't already. He watches memes. Yes. He beats people up. <laughs> I beat people up. <laughs> and he's uh, incredibly informative. So we appreciate that. Thank you. It was Thank really you fun. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Well, that was it with Dr. Mike. That I think that was a lot of fun. This is a conversation we've been meaning to have, so I'm glad we got all the facts and figures and pros and cons and all the stuff from an actual expert. But now we're back with Andrew and David because you haven't done the trivia That's from true. that episode. That's true. So let's, let's read David the questions and see if he gets them right. There's a lot of pressure here yeah. because you guys have already heard this and yeah. I have not. And we'll all just be judging you. As we, we know totally the answers. Remember you already know exactly the answers. I think I might remember the answers. All right. Let's see. Trivia time. Anxiety time. Oh, God. This marker needs a new markers. Yeah. And I got signed out of Google Docs. Nice. <laughs> you could use this one. Yeah, I'll use that one. Trivia question. What is Ellis's password? <laughs> password. One, two, you three, wish. four. You wish. You wish. not. I should not say something like that on the internet. And everyone's going to try and get. Okay. Don't get me. Question number one. That'll do it. <laughs> on that day, Ellis got gone. Yeah, on that day, Ellis signed up for Bitwarden. <laughs> Question number one. According to a 2020 survey by Cisco, what percent of medical devices are currently running unsupported software, meaning no patches or updates will ever be available? And it's uh, it's cl it's prices right rules, oh. as per usual. Oh, so that means whoever we prices think right rules. could be right may be wrong right david could get closer than anybody david could get closer all right i got one. Oh, well that's cool. this is, i mean you know it's totally <laughs> random yes <laughs> let's see it let's and see it. you put 68 percent. wow is it over barely over it's 60 percent. no i was gonna put 60 <laughs> price is right unfortunately that uh, one cannot win <laughs> really but you're pretty I'm close sorry. yeah you're pretty close. You're in the ballpark. Dang. Yeah. What did you guys put? I have no recollection of what I I don't put. either. Yeah. The winning guess was Andrew with 42%. I think wow. both Marquez and I can't remember. Wow. I'm so smart. I almost put. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Question almost, number two? Almost doesn't win Question trivia. Question number two. Almost doesn't win trivia. All right, David. Yeah. I'm going to give you three medical devices. You are? And you are going to tell me the order in which they were invented from earliest to most recent. Oh my goodness. Okay. The first device, the implantable pacemaker. Okay. This is a pacemaker that goes completely inside your body and then you get sewn up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number two, the optical laser for medical purposes. <laughs> what? Does that mean for like healing wounds with... Healing by, wounds, by yeah, doing things. like laser surgery. Number three, computerized uh -huh. medical records. Oh, yeah, that's... Okay, wait, 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 can you give me the... No, 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 wait, stop Number it. Number one. Okay. Implantable pacemaker. 
Number two, optical medical laser. And number three, computerized medical records. And I'm looking for the order first invented, most recently invented. Wait, first? Yeah, okay. <laughs> From oldest to newest. You're welcome. Okay. Oh, man, this is probably... All right. I'm doing... One is pacemaker. Okay, that's correct. Two is laser. That is correct. Three is... Computer! Oh, my God! <laughs> <Yeah>! <laughs> Wait, no one else got yeah, that. We're the only one. <laughs> Heck yeah. I remember this because um, my grandpa used to have heart attacks from you when remember? he was like 20 on. And he got a pacemaker like really early. Like, really? Yeah, in like the 60s or something. Huh. Wait, so do I get one point for each one? No, just one point in total. Oh, so I just won the round, mm -hmm. basically. Yes. Okay, whatever. I guess I won one of them. That's fine. Well played. Thanks, guys. Well played. Appreciate you. Well, I think that wraps it up. Yep. Shout out to you for getting the question right. Uh, thanks again to Dr. Mike for coming on and answering all, our, all of our questions. And thanks again to you for watching and listening. Catch you in the next one. Peace. Waveformers produced by Adam Molina and Ellis Rovin. We're partnered with the Vox Media Podcast Network and our intro-outro music was created by Vane Sill. Thanks to Visible for supporting this episode. Visible offers a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data on Verizon's network for 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. But Visible isn't for everyone. For starters, you manage your plan, chat to customer service, and update your eSIM all in their app, and they don't bundle their plans with extras that cost you extra money. So if you want more than 5G, a hotspot, and unlimited data from your wireless plan, and you're willing to stand in line or sit on hold to pay top dollar, you won't want to go to Visible.com to learn more. Hi, we're Visible. We're the wireless company with nothing to hide. Seriously. Hidden fees? We don't have them. Annual contracts? Not our thing. Great wireless on just one line? Now that's more like it. Get unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month. Taxes and fees included. That's right. $25 a month? Every month. Sorry, hidden fees. We're just not that into you. Sometimes the choice is just Visible. Switch today at Visible.com. Rate with service on the Visible plan. For additional terms and network management practices, see Visible.com.